Thank God for a hiding place. We realize we're living in an age when folks are going to start looking for a hiding place. When the earth starts shaking, rocks start falling, earthquakes start taking place, um, cataclysmic changes coming on the earth. They'll run to the rocks and the mountains and say, fall on us. Must be pretty bad. Can you imagine running to Roan Mountain or one of these mountains around here? You see these gigantic boulders and they're everywhere. So you're saying, please, please, please fall on me. Fall on me. Please hide me. From who? The wrath of the Lamb. Wow, I thought the Lamb was so gentle he forgave everybody and just let everybody into heaven and let them live any way they want to live. No, that's not my Lamb. Thank God. You don't have to worry about that if you're already hid in it. Amen. God bless you, and it's good to be together tonight in the house of the Lord. What a privilege it is for us. Well, I know it's hard. I realize it's hard. Every wedding that I ever dealt with, I've dealt with many of them since I started preaching. Um, Every wedding that I was ever a part of, there was always so much stress. Now, whether it was the color of the dress, the color of the flowers, the songs you're going to sing, how many wanted to sing, there always seemed to be so much stress. And every groom I've ever talked to, none of them ever wanted to have that big fancy thing-dangled wedding. Every one of them nearly wanted to come in my office and just let me do it in there and them leave. But it's always the bride that takes so long. I mean... uh, You know the reason the rapture is not already gone, right? Yeah. All your brothers don't have to say a word. She's standing by. You don't even blame. Don't smile. Who takes the longest to get it home at your house to get ready? Look at Brother Jim. Got that look on his face. He's not moving. Look at him. He just, Sister right. Linda, don't you gouge him now. Be nice. And it's the same with us. It's not the Lord Jesus. It's the readiness of the church. And we're so anxious. We feel the tension of the age and the pressure and the stress of everything that's around us. It's a bride's most glorious day, or should be. But yet the stress of so much of it, it's like it overshadows the great event that's fixing to happen. And they just say, I can't wait till it's all over. I'm just being so glad when it's all over. That's sort of the way we feel. We'll be so glad when all this sickness is gone. All this trouble, all this difficulty has subsided so we can go to the honeymoon. Let's uh, venture there a little bit again tonight, if you will. How many would like to go with me? We will read Psalms 72. Remember now, this psalm is addressed to Solomon, but it's a greater than Solomon. And we know our Lord Jesus, of course, is that greater one. Psalm 72, 13, he shall spare the poor and needy and shall save the souls of the needy, which, of course, we know Solomon could not do. He shall redeem, which, again, Solomon could not do. Their soul from deceit and violence and precious shall their blood be in his sight. 
He shall live, and to him shall be given the gold of Sheba. Prayer also shall be made for or to him continually, and daily shall he be praised. Daily shall he be praised. How many like to be remembered tonight before the Lord in prayer? <clears throat> Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we approach you tonight through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that we have representation in the presence of God. We believe, Father God, that you thought of us, you made an earth to take us out of. We are the physical manifestation of an attribute that was in you before the foundation of the world. When the Logos came out of you, we came out with that Logos and each of us in our own turn came to the earth. And as your prophet says it in future home, we were lost with the world. We were lost, which means out of circulation. But you came and took the form of a human being upon yourself that you might redeem us, be our goel, that you might bring us back into your presence again. We're so thankful. Father, you didn't just come from our, for our souls, but also for our bodies for our peace, and for our journey while we're heading that way. I have in my hand tonight, Lord, two prayer claws. <clears throat> Brother Homer and Sister Ruby come over tonight, Lord, from Virginia to be with us. And Lord, a, a sister with a real need in her body, and they brought this prayer cloth to be prayed for. We're just asking you, Father, in the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God move for her, Lord. Then, Lord Jesus, Brother Jeff Nunley standing here tonight, you see, Father, having have a CT scan this week. We're just trusting you, dear God, that the outcome will be according to your will. There'll be no evil come of it. Father, may you just move for both of these. Others, Lord, had needs and requests. We all have desires. We all want to be closer to you tonight. As we meet you in the auspices of your word, we've not gathered tonight under the headship of some man or some denomination, but we've come under the anointed word for this hour. We ask you that you would help us, Father. May we receive something out of this service that will make us better people. We know if anything of eternal value and quality has contributed to our life when this service is over, it will have to be you that does it. As a mortal man, all I can do is read, pray, study, apply myself, which I try to do faithfully, Lord. But when it's all said and done, if you don't come and help us, Lord, all my effort, all Brother Louis' effort, all their effort, that won't be much accomplished. But if you'll come in a few minutes, Lord, and just anoint us and speak to us, things of eternal value will be transpired. Grant it to be so, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. <clears throat> what do you think? Do we need the millennium? Would you like for this present state of this earth to continue on another 500 years? Can you imagine what kind of state it would be if it went another 50, another 20, as rapidly as it is changing? And the degradation of sin, the, our politics, um, everything around us, the church itself. Can you imagine what it would be like in just another three or four, five years? And yet we know that it will continue on until the purpose of God has been achieved. And then whenever it does, Satan cannot manipulate God. 
Satan cannot be able to move the hand of God. Satan cannot be able to force any issue of divine purpose to come to pass. I love that. For we know that God will bring to pass his own word in his time and his season. And whenever we're looking at these wonderful things about the kingdom that we're fixing to enter into by the grace of God, we know that, you know, the devil knows these scriptures as well as you and I do. There's probably things he can memorize and quote them. I'm sure that God hid much of it from him so that he would not be able to understand it. We know he did the seventh seal that way. And much of the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament were veiled behind the human side of prophets. And it was really concealed to where that when people read it, they wasn't sure if the prophet was talking about himself or if he was talking about another. The Ethiopian eunuch, when he read and quoted, of course, the scripture, he said, does this man speak of himself or is he speaking of someone else? So that was a common understanding. And remember, the Ethiopian, of course, had been influenced from the Queen of Sheba, which had come down, taken the truth from Solomon down into that land. And this man, of course, was one of those offspring of that union that come about. So this man knew about the prophet. So it was a common understanding that the word of God could be veiled in such a way that the prophets could have been speaking about themselves or they could have been speaking about one that was to come. And God did the same thing, of course, when he spoke about the first coming of the Lord Jesus and definitely so with the rapture and even more so with the millennium. So as I mentioned to you last weekend, as far as doctrines and scripture, there's more scripture that speaks about the millennium than any other doctrine in the Bible. There's more scriptures that speaks about the millennium than the first advent of the Lord Jesus. More about that than actually the bride. More scriptures about the millennium than the rapture or even the second coming. It must be pretty important to God. Now, let us resume on this, if you will. We looked at Psalm 45, of course, and then we come on over in the other Psalms, and we stopped last, last Sunday on Psalm 73. But let us pick up again on this, in verse 15. He shall live, and to him shall be given the gold of Sheba. Prayer also shall be made for him, or the Hebrew is, to him continually, and daily shall he be praised. Now, we know this could not be applied to Solomon because it is a continual thing that is going to be attributed to whoever this is speaking of that it would be on and on and on without end. There shall be a handful of corn in the earth upon the top of the mountains and the fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon and they of the city shall flourish like the grass of the earth. Now what we have here is veil of the future for fertility of the land of how it will be restored again in the millennium kingdom. Now under the reign of Adam, now remember that Adam was actually a god on the earth and Adam was given the dominion of the earth, whether or not you understand it, Adam actually was the first one to reign upon the earth as far as a human. He was the first one to reign upon the earth. He was given a dominion. He was a king. 
He was what kingdom was it? Well, it was the, bot the botanical kingdom. It was the animal kingdom. It was every kingdom that God had made subservient unto the man. And yet, it would have been every name in the book of life had Adam kept his position. So God places him there in a place to where he will give him a time and a season by which Adam will prove that no man actually can be able to stay faithful to the word. So Adam not only made his choice, but he made our choice because he was the head of the race and he represented us every name that was in that Lamb's book of life. So by representation, Adam forfeited our rights. Now then everything under his dominion would fall when he fell. So the earth fell. Now the earth never sinned, but the earth was under the dominion of Adam himself. Remember when God came and he spoke to the serpent and then he spoke to the man and he spoke to the woman and God said about the earth, now cursed be the earth and the earth shall bring forth a thorn and the thistle. And yet the earth hadn't done anything. The earth had not lied. The earth had not committed adultery. But because it was subservient to the man Adam, then whenever the man fell, everything under his domain fell with him. So the fertility and the great, great ability of the earth to be able to grow seed and multiply, even stand upright on its axis and all that, all of that now had to be changed. And it had to come under a condition by which it would tilt on its axis and it would be in a warped kind of state. That it would actually need the polarity, the north and the south pole. It would also need the gravitational pull of the moon to keep it from wobbling. Now we don't feel it, thank God. But the earth actually wobbles as it spins out in the earth. Now you imagine we're spinning out here this great rapid speed of a thousand miles an hour and yet we're hanging here upon the earth. Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down. And what is it that keeps us there? The law of God. And yet whenever Adam did this, he forfeited the earth's ability to reproduce. So now the earth will struggle and man will struggle. He will now sweat by the toil and by the labor and by the sweat of his brow will he bring forth. And the earth will actually be stripped back to where it will no longer be able to produce itself as it did before Adam fell. But the earth has that potential. It's like us as sons and daughters of God. Our potential is so great. None of us have ever reached it yet. That's right. In us is born the kingdom of God. Now we're in the kingdom of God, which the kingdom of God is within you. But what we're talking about the millennium is the kingdom of heaven, which comes down upon the earth after the marriage union. You remember that heaven is the male and the earth is the female. And by Christ coming together to be under the immaculate conception of both divine and human, it was him coming together to bring heaven and earth together. So when the Lord Jesus was baptized and the fullness of the Godhead bodily comes in him there at the river Jordan, heavens and earth embraced together in what? The breach or the Lamb of God. So it was a sign that now the heavens and the earth will one day move into the seventh day, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, and finally move into the eighth day, which is eternity. So now before we ever go into the eighth day, of course, the population of the earth is 
absolutely going to explode in the time of the millennium. This is why we're going to need more land mass. So part of the land will be changed. And God will, of course, raise up the mountains, push up the mountains. Part of the Mediterranean will sink or, or be able to push back in order for the city, the temple city, to be dwelt there in Jerusalem, Mount Zion. There's going to be changes upon the earth even in the seventh day because it is under sanctification. It would not follow the tithe if there was not physical changes made just as sanctification changes you. You see, people that get saved and feel like they're justified, sanctified, going to heaven, going in the rapture, living right, and yet they never change their physical appearance, they're deceived. If sanctification don't change the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you act, the way you dress, you ain't truly been sanctified. That's right. That's the power of sanctification. So the earth is still under the power of sanctification in the millennium because there will be sin after the millennium, which shows that the new earth has not received its new nature and type yet until the holy fire from God out of heaven comes and be able to change it. Now in this, then you will actually notice the type of the parallel of what David said, that there shall be a handful of corn in the earth upon the top of the mountain. Mountains. Now watch, it is going to be the restored state by which it will come back. And the curse, not fully yet removed, but partially removed enough in the millennium to where that you'll be able to take a handful of corn. Now to us Western people, this doesn't really mean anything because you're not familiar unless you've been there and seen it or seen pictures of the arid type of state uh, that the Mediterranean area is in. So there, whenever it does rain, it may come great torrential down downpours and there's not grass like it is here everywhere so on a lot of the tops of the mountains the mountains are bare and they will actually farm in terraces which they do in Asia and other parts as well now in doing this they will take terraces and they'll go around the mountain round like this another terrace another terrace another terrace it's not only to be able to utilize the land but it's also to slow down the runoff of the water so the water will catch on the top then it'll run down to the next terrace to the next terrace to the next terrace but what it does it creates a dryness many times in the valley because the terraces keeps all of the crawl of the water but at the very top it runs off but David said now whatever he's prophesying here he said that there'd come a time that the top of the mountains would no longer be bare because David would look around and he would see Gilboa he'll see Hermon he'd see all these different mountains and for the most part what you're going to see is a few trees those who do have trees and you'll see a big bare rock there and another big bare rock over here and another one over there. He said that ain't going to be so in this time of the kingdom because it will be so much that you'd take a handful of corn and sow that handful of corn across the top of the mountain and there'll be such fertility restored in the time of the millennium that handful of corn will come up and it'll flourish. The whole top of that mountain will look like the trees of Lebanon. Oh, hallelujah. There'll be corn everywhere. It'll just be coming up. There'll be grain and none of it's going to kill you. There won't be no hybrid corn there. There won't be no hybrid wheat. There won't be one thorn. There won't be no thistles. Glory be to God. Because the earth is on its way back to a final new birth. Sanctification works such a work in the life of the earth. She will explode. 
Hallelujah. Nature again will bring in her pristine fertility of what God meant for it to be. It will blossom so much that the prophet said the desert will blossom like a rose. Amen. Notice this now in verse 16. He says, And there shall be a handful of corn in the earth upon the top of the mountains. The fruit, the fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon. And they of the city shall flourish like the grass of the earth. Now remember there will be people on the earth in human bodies and they will not be in glorified bodies the way the saints of God are. But they will be on the earth and there will be children coming. There will be an explosion. Children, you say, yes. Isaiah said that the child will play on the cockatrice den. Who's going to lead the wolf and the lion? A little child. Where's some little children coming from? They ain't coming from you because you ain't got sex glands. Well, praise the Lord. Now notice, so the psalmist sees whatever time that he's speaking about here, which we believe is the millennium. In verse 17, he says, his name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun and men shall be blessed in him, which again, is not Solomon. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Oh, I don't have to point this out to you tonight. You know already this has not come to pass. Let me just remind you, this was not fulfilled even 2,000 years ago when the Lord Jesus was here. Because that was the majority of the earth never even knew he was here. They never knew he visited the earth. They never knew it when he came. They never knew it when he left. They never knew it when the Holy Ghost fell in the upper room. But this scripture will be fulfilled. One day we will be able to stand on this earth and quote this scripture and say this day this scripture is fulfilled and we are part of it praise God notice verse 20 the psalms of David the son of Jesse rather the prayers of David now notice how this psalm is so encoded that it seemed like as if though it was just a natural prayer of a natural man and of course God has ways of doing that now let's run a parallel here with a couple of these verses if you don't mind watch this Psalm 72 verse 2 and verse 4 and let's parallel that with Isaiah 4 he shall judge thy people with righteous and thy poor with judgment. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppression. Now watch Isaiah eleven four, which is another messianic prophecy of the millennium. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the Oh, not heaven, of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. Now we're talking about Armageddon. Shall ride the, smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Again, Psalm 72, 3. Let's parallel it with Isaiah 9, 6. The mountains shall bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His kingdom will be a kingdom of peace. 
building can you imagine? There won't be one hospital. There won't be one police officer. Not now saying police officers won't be there. <laughs> but we just won't need them. There won't be no state troopers. There won't be no ERs. There won't be no nurses. We won't need no Walgreens, no CVS. There'll be no Rite Aids on every corner. There'll be no doctors. There'll be no chiropractors. There'll be no need of them. Notice now, Psalm 72, 5 and Isaiah 9, 7. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and the moon endure throughout all generations. And Isaiah said, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now let's look at three more verses here. In verse 8, he shall have dominion also from sea to sea. Now notice in the millennium, the sea is still there. From sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. Verse 11, yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Verse 17, his name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Isaiah 24, 23. Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed. When the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. Now I hope you've picked this up already. But in the millennium, there will be many, many nations on the earth. Now, the main nation, of course, will be Israel. But it's not going to be the only one. I hope you understand that God loves diversity of nationalities of people. God also loves diversities of races. Now, man, you know how man is. Man, I mean, you know, the racial tension in our age is absolutely awful. It's a shame. And we know who causes all of that. The devil does. But God made races and he gave them their traits, their characteristics, their skin color. And then God also places nationalities within races. Now, me being to Africa, Brother Terry, uh, some other maybe being here to Africa, whenever you go there, the majority of most of them are going to be the black people, the black race. But yet you go from one nation to another, say from Tanzania to Kenya, or from Kenya to Uganda to Zimbabwe, and you will find different national spirits. And you will find different national terms in the way that they do it. Yet they're all, as far as dark color, they're all the same race. You look at the white folks from Europe. You look at the Germans. You look at the, you know, you look at the Danes. You look at the Swiss. You look at the Finns and all them. And a lot of them would be in similar color. Uh, but yet they would come from different nations. In the millennium, there will be a multitude of diversities of nations. He will not have everybody alike. Now man wants the one race to be superior. The white folks want them to be superior. The black folks want black power so they want them to be superior. And the red man wants to be superior. And this one wants to be superior. But yet we know that comes from the devil. But God loves diversity of nations. And the church said God loves diversity of races. 
God's not placing Israel in a place of supremacy in the millennium because the Jewish race is superior, but because of his covenant promise to Abraham. No other reason. God ain't calling you because you're a white man or a white woman or a black man or a black woman. If you're a part of the bride, God calls you because you're in Christ. Has nothing to do with your race. Has nothing to do with your money. Has nothing to do with whether you're an American or a Brit or a Finn or a Swiss or whatever you are. It's because you are in Christ Jesus that you're elected. Yet your body, when you come to this earth, you come to get your car. Now God could have let me be born in Norway and put me among the Norwegians if he'd wanted to. But he'd know that scared my brothers to death, as lively as I am. The Norwegians aren't quite like we are. Good people, love God. First time I ever preached from them, I thought, first flight out of here, I'm leaving. Because they sit and look at you. They don't say amen. They barely bat an eye. But then they come up to you after service. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I'm thinking, why didn't you tell me when I was preaching? So God knew I wouldn't fit to be a Norwegian. God let me be a Yankee if he wanted to. God can let you be whatever. But God allowed us, even as far as our natural birth, to put us in the part, oh, think of it, friends, that he wanted us to be in. The seed of God, your soul, the, the predestinated thought of God, it could have landed in a black man's body or a red man or an Indian or an Apache or whatever more. But God even paired that seed with the dirt that would make fit with the very purpose of God according to where you need to live. Praise the Lord. And if you can accept that, you ain't got nothing to be ashamed of. Well, I'm ashamed I'm a white man. I'm ashamed I'm a black man. Well, you ought to be ashamed of being ashamed. God made you a black man. You ought to be proud you're a black man. God made you a white man, a white woman, or whatever more. Y'all say, well, thank God that seed landed in that garden spot. That's all it was. God could have let that predestinated seed land wherever he wanted to. You could have been a slain eyed Chinese or, you know, whatever more if that's what God wanted. But God wanted you to be born here and go to here to this church and live in this, this nation and be identified as what we call an American. Oh, hallelujah. And when we get there, there will be nations that will be spread over the entire earth. Nations. And they'll be able to do that what they haven't been able to do here. That is get along. Now remember Victory Day in Sarah Vista when the prophet tells us the reason that nations have war because nations have spirits and those demons get jealous of one another. Well, praise the Lord. Then they go to warring. Well, but in the millennium, them demons will be in hell. Woo! All them demons with their master will be down in hell. And the black men will hug the white men. And the white men will hug the Indian. And the Indian will hug the Chinese. And there will be no racial riots. There will be no political wars. Why? The Prince of Peace will not allow it. Psalms 82, 8. Arise, O God. Judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. 
Psalms 86, 9. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. Can you imagine, friends, in the millennium, there won't be nobody up and down an alley listening to country music and over there and they're rapping and you go over there and they're listening to rock and roll. Everywhere you go, it'll be gospel songs and hymns. How great thou art and amazing great. Everywhere you go, if there is any radio stations, I doubt there will be, but if there is any radio stations, they won't none of them be playing nothing but just the goodness and the mercy of God. Can you imagine a world where everybody, oh hallelujah, every city, every nation prays and worships God. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. There won't be one nation on the face of the earth that will not come and worship God. Isaiah 2, 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow. And the word flow in the Hebrew is a steady stream. Praise God. You understand the city itself, there, that, that, that Jerusalem, it will not be big enough for everybody to come at one time. People will constantly be coming and going. Hallelujah. It'll be a steady stream. The Egyptians, the Persians, the Apache. The Cherokee, the Cherokee, oh my, the Blackfeet, whoever more. The nations of the earth, some will be coming, some will be going. And they'll wave, where you been? Up to the house of the Lord. Where you going? Up to the house of the Lord. They go a little bit farther, they make some money. Where you been? The house of the Lord. Where you going? House of the Lord. So they're constantly going for a thousand years going to church. Oh, hallelujah. That sounds like home to me, brother. Praise God. Shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. Notice verse 4. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. I hope this don't mess with you. But actually when the resurrected They're not resurrected, saved. They're resurrected heathens. Because the resurrection don't change you. They went down heathens, they'll raise heathens. In order for somebody to beat their swords into plowshares, somebody's got to have made some. You can't beat your spear into a pruning hook if you ain't got no spear. So they went down fighting. They went down heathens. And when they raised, they raised with this mentality. You imagine, they're still heathen. They want to fight. There's the son of God saying, "Uh uh-oh, 
No fighting here, buddy. That's not allowed. No swords. Who am I going to do with this? We got an idea. Beat it into a plowshare. Feed your people. Praise be to God. No more fighting here. No more wars. Glory to God. Notice now what Isaiah said. Shall rebuke many people. Why do you need to rebuke them? Because they're resurrected in this national thing. They're resurrected in this heathen mentality. And the kingdom starts off setting them straight. Praise God. And they shall beat their swords. Into plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. So there will be folks from Saudi Arabia. They'll come up to Israel with love. They'll look at them Israelis and, oh, brothers, God bless you. I hear God's with you. No, all are there. No, no minarets, no, 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 the call to prayer, all that. No, ain't no such a thing there. Amen. You imagine, they will come from Qatar. They'll come from all these different places that have never heard the truth. And they will rise up and there won't be one nation against another. Yet the potential is there. At the end of the millennium, the devil, when he's raised out of his prison, he'll come on those who have not been converted and they will join with him. I'm sure probably a lot of you know it, but Isaiah 2.4, what we just read here, was inscribed on the foundation of the United Nations headquarters in New York City. Let's read it again so you know what it, what it says. He shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. They're too busy learning about church. Learning about God. Learning about loving one another. Praise God. Now no matter how much the United Nations says this and quote it, it's wonderful that they put it on the building there. That's really great, but it'll never be fulfilled to the millennium. There's not enough Putins, there's not enough Trumps, enough Obamas and whoever more to ever bring this to pass. Only the Lord Jesus can do it. Oh my. Notice again in verse 4, and he shall judge among the nations, plural, and shall rebuke many people. Notice again Isaiah 5, 26. And he shall lift up an ensign to the nations from far and will hiss unto them from the end of the earth. And behold, they will come with speed swiftly. Isaiah eleven twelve. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. God will gather nations Oh, my Lord, the Apache, the Persians, the Iranians, the Iraqis, the ancient Babylonians, 
the Greeks, the Carpathians, on and on and on we could go, who've never heard the truth. And all of a sudden, they come up. Imagine, me and Brother Jim Woodson was talking about that after church. He said, Brother Donnie, you imagine that the, the, the Egyptians that believed in the afterlife. Y'all know the Egyptians believed in the afterlife. That's what the pyramids was about. So they put all this stuff in the pyramids in the afterlife. So here wakes up Pharaoh, whoever. He's resurrected in the millennium. And he thinks he's arrived in the afterlife. <laughs> he's looking around for Horus and Osiris. And he's looking around and there's the son of God that said, how you doing, Pharaoh? He said, how'd you know me? He said, I don't know who you are. Am I in the afterlife? No, sir, you're in the millennium. Because you never turned down God's truth, Horam Hab, and Antipas the fourth, because you never heard it, you have the privilege to serve Jehovah Adonai. He will allow you to maintain your throne in Egypt. Blessed be the Lord God. You will be allowed to lead your people to the house of worship. Well, where is it? Israel. You have a problem with that? Not any longer. <laughs> I repent. I repent. Don't you see, friend? Jesus is going to prove to the devil this is what I can do with races and nations and different colors and different ideas. This is what I can do with it. This is what he's done. Jeremiah 3.17 At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord and all the nations shall be gathered unto it to the name of the Lord to Jerusalem neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart the whole earth enters into the stage of sanctification and people just they don't want to fight no more. They're just a bunch of pushovers. They're just everybody wants to be peaceable. Everybody wants to get along with everybody. Come over and see me. In life, it cuts your throat. But over there, they can't. The throat cutters in hell. You know, you take the devil off of a lot of folks around here in this and this time we're living in. That'd be pretty good people just getting the devil out of them. Can you imagine when the earth is sanctified and the kingdom is so set up and everywhere, society, the government, everything is run according to the word of God? Daniel seven thirteen, And I saw in the night visions and behold one, like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days. And they brought him near before him and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Now this is the fulfillment of course of Psalms 110. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand 
until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Jehovah said to my Adonai. (laughs) Boy, y'all looking at me funny. Notice, Daniel goes on to say, it is the dominion of an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Notice Micah chapter 4 verse 1. But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains. Isn't it amazing? Him and Isaiah said almost word for word the same thing. And it shall be exalted above the hills and people shall flow into it and many nations shall come and say, come. Let's go up to the honky tonk. Uh, What do you say we go over to Walmart and uh, what do you say? No, this is what they're going to be saying. This is what the nations will be saying. Now this is the Holy Roller Bride and the Holy Roller 144,000. But these are Egyptians and Comanche and and Apache and Persians and Babylonians and Egyptians. (laughs) Glory to God. You imagine the nations will be saying, let's go up to the house of God. What do you want to do now? What what do you want to do? What about going to church? Church? What's exciting about that? Well, you've never been to our church. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. I've been to church all my life. Yeah, but I'm talking about church where God heals the sick. God casts out devils. God fills with the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about not church as usual, but church supernatural. So this is what you're going to be doing. Listen, many nations shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. To the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways. And we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Can you imagine what a place it will be to live. When millions of people have this mentality. Jesus wrote it down in such a simple way. He said, if there's two or three gathered in my name, I'll be in their midst. Can you imagine when the population of the earth? (laughs) Verse 3. He shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. Notice, everybody ain't going to live right next to Jerusalem. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall set every man under his vine and under his fig tree. And none, none shall make them afraid. Can you imagine? All fear is gone. No more illegitimate children. In 2016, 21 million illegitimate children born. There'll be none of that there. Praise the Lord. In our nation, at any given night, an estimated 550 4,000 are homeless and sleep on the streets. Millions in our civilized nations, civilized nations are hungry 
There'll be no hunger there. There'll be nobody standing on the side of the road. I will work for food. There will be nobody homeless in the millennium. Everybody will have a place to live. Nobody will be hungry. Oh, blessed be the Lord God. Notice Zechariah says, sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For lo, I come. Listen to this. And I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. This ought to make the, the, the daughter of Zion. You remember the prophet in future home, he said, this is the bride when you're the daughter of Zion. So he tells the daughter of Zion to what? Sing and rejoice. For what reason? He's coming to live among us. I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord, and many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. Can you imagine? There will be conversions on a mass scale that the world has never known. Millions coming to the kingdom of God. Now remember, it's not under preaching. It's under the government of the son of David. They will see his government and say, I can serve a king like this. I I know what it's like to be out there, live for the devil. My life is filled with heathenism. And many of them will be able to remember that. Don't you know what they're going to recall from? They'll recall from their former days of being under the dominion of Satan when they've done what he wanted them to do. And they'll compare that to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And they'll say, I choose to serve him. Millions, millions will become converted. Praise God. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. Now you imagine when they were resurrected. They were not his people. They were raised heathen. They were raised, oh my, in in that back life of theirs, of what they come out of, raised from that. But he said in that day, the millennium will be a revival as the world has never known. You think the revival in the 50s was something can't hold the millennium or drop in the bucket. Praise God. And I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto thee. Oh my, listen to this in verse 12. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion in the holy land, and shall choose Jerusalem again, Zechariah 8:21, and the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us speedily. Oh my, let us go speedily to pray before the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. So they're going, they're so excited that they're going from one city to another to another. Say, hey, let's go to the house of God. What do you say? Oh, praise God. I can't wait. Let's go. You talking about being excited. Oh, I'm telling now some of y'all about to blow up. You're just so excited. Uh 
Though they go from city to city. Why? Because maybe they don't know that their brother over there, a brother Egyptian, a brother Persian, or whatever more, they don't know that he's yet accepted this. They say, let's go. Oh, you can't believe what this has done. I can't even explain what it's done to me. I've heard them people talk about it. I've heard them, just something happened to me. I don't know how to explain it. I'm changed. I'm changed. I'm just a different person than what I was, and I want to tell somebody else about it. Let us go speedily to pray before the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. Now somebody tell me, how is it that these heathens learn this name? Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Jehovah. And that he has hosts, plural. Somebody's been preaching to these people. Somebody's been talking to these people that there's a heavenly host and there's an earthly host. Plural. Lord of hosts. Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Praise God. Zechariah 14, 16, it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. Year 348. The new Jerusalem Post prints out an article just to update everyone on the current status of the millennium. Since King Jesus took over, there's not been one war. Since King Jesus took over, nobody's died of cancer, heart attacks, high blood pressure. There's not been one murder among all the capita that dwells upon the earth. Hallelujah. There has not been any molestation of a child. There has not been any runaway kids that's left their home because they wasn't happy. There is no such a thing in that kingdom. The update is it's the same as it was year one and year two. And by the year 999, it's going to be the same thing. Why? Because that's the way God wants it to be. The millennium will be lived out. The the Adam forfeited, but he said, I'll bring it back. Now let's look at the heathen a little bit. Isaiah spoke about the heathen, Zechariah, David, of course. But let's start with David, Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. A heathen, really, the Hebrew word here is very, very simple. It's Gawi, which is a people, usually, of non-Hebrew. Hello, heathen. I'm a heathen. I'm glad to meet you, you heathen. So heathen did not necessarily mean that it was way off in a bunch of stuff. It was just non-Hebrews. That was the heathen. 
But notice God said, I will be exalted among the non-Hebrews. Psalms 47, 8. God reigneth over the heathen. God setteth upon the throne of his holiness. Psalms 96, 10. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. What good's it going to do to say it among them unless there's going to be someone that's going to receive it? Amen. Can't you see what he's going to do? The gospel of the kingdom, it did not stop, my friends, when the Lord Jesus left the earth. It did not stop. What did Jesus tell us to pray? Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And it will be. Psalms 102, 13, thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion from the time to favor her. Yea, the set time is come. For thy servants take pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. So the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth thy glory. So in Egypt and Babylon and Persia and Iran and Iraq, on and on and on and on and on, there won't be parliament, won't be prime ministers or presidents. It'll be kings. Why? That's God's way. And you imagine these kings, they come up from year to year, and every time they come up, they bow down before the king, the king. King Jesus. So all the kings will come and pay obeisance to the great king. Praise be to God. Now remember, in the office of Jehovah Adonai is the way this will be fulfilled. Now remember the messianic reign, the mediatorial reign of the Logos will continue on through the millennium. And when the millennium is over and the white throne judgment is set, then the Lord Jesus will turn the kingdom over to the invisible one that he may be all in all. And Jesus will sit on the throne in the eighth day and the Father hang above him that bright light and he will be our Joseph. Now that white light won't be here in that way in the millennium. In that way, because it's sanctification. No more than a person that's living in a sanctified state can walk with God, where a person filled with the Holy Ghost can walk with God. Right, two different spheres. Now, watch. Amen. Boy, I've got your grazy eyebrows on that one, didn't you? Notice so the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth thy glory. When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. Verse 21. To declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. When the people are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. So here's all these little mini kingdoms all over the earth with kings over them. And every one of them, what a potential for a church split. What king in his right mind would leave all these kings with this authority? Don't you see? He wants to prove it can be done under his dominion. 
another king in his right mind would do all of this. But of course, none of them are King Jesus. Notice Ezekiel 37, 27. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their God and they shall be my people. And the heathen, the non-Hebrew, shall know that I am the Lord to sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. So when we start building the temple and the son of the aliens will come and actually start pitching in labor and material and whatever to build, then the Hebrew, the non-Hebrews will look around and say, the Lord has restored Jacob. His house is back among them. What is it? Though no house being in Jerusalem to this day signifies God's rejection of Israel. When Titus destroyed it, come on children, and the Palestinians even to this very day trying to prove that Israel was never even there. That's why archaeological digs and finds are so important. And of course the Antiquities Museum is because to find their identity. Can you imagine them old boys about blowed up like a bullfrog not long ago. Whenever they found a seal and they dug around some dirt and found a seal down there with the seal of Hezekiah. And also dug a little farther about a mile away and found something written on there with Isaiah. Oh, they're going to keep on digging and they're going to find who that land belongs to. It's the same way with you and I. The church said, oh, there ain't no such a thing as a bride. Everybody's all the same. They're trying to run out your identity in the land. They're trying to say, oh, you wasn't in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. We're saying, yes, we were. We done got the seal. Praise God. It ain't the seal of Hezekiah. It's not the seal of Isaiah. It's the seal of the living God. We were in that land before we were here. The heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. Joel 3.10, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Oh, let the weak say, wow. This ain't a millennium. This is a time to fight. Right? I'm sorry, Doc, because some of y'all have a heart attack. I'm sorry. <laughs> Assemble yourselves. Come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about thither and cause the mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Listen to this. Let the heathen be wakened. Can you imagine Jesus Christ will stand on the earth and speak? And the resurrection of the heathen will take place all over the earth. The heathen will be raised from the dead. (laughs) Perfectly scriptural. Marvel not at this. Marvel not at this, Jesus says. Oh my. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Malachi 1.11 For from the rising of the sun even to the going down of the same my name shall be great among the Gentiles and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen saith the Lord of hosts. 
Aren't you glad you're fulfilling this now? Got a little bit more time. Can I have a Let's, let's look now in Psalms 110. Psalms 110 is actually the most quoted Old Testament scripture in the New Testament. It is quoted or directly related to 27 times, which is the most of any other in the entire Old Testament scriptures. Notice a Psalm of David. The Lord said unto my Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Said unto my capital L. Lowercase O, lowercase R, lowercase D. Uppercase is Jehovah. Lowercase is Adonai. Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. I love the way the Targum of Jonathan says it. The Lord said to his word. (laughs) The Lord ain't saying to another being, but the Lord said to his word. Amen. It's just a shame that some of the people in the message try to take this scripture and use this as a basis to preach two lords. Well, praise the Lord. They need to get back and and really see the Godhead again, don't they? Now notice, the Lord said unto my Lord. So Jehovah said unto Adonai. Can you imagine what a spot that David is in? As David hears the voice of Jehovah speak to his anointed Messiah son. David is so anointed with the presence of God that God is going to use David's mouth to speak to his Messiah son. Lord Jesus. David is speaking to his son, Christ. Lord, I'll tell you when I saw that, I about had a, oh, my spell. So David was hearing Jehovah speak to the Messiah from ancient times. The Lord said unto my Lord. He does not say the revelation of Jehovah unto me, but the revelation of Jehovah to his son. Where's it coming? Through David. The Lord said unto my Lord. So here is David saying what he heard the Lord say. Oh my Lord. David hearing Jehovah say prophetically to his son. Adonai. Sit thou on my right hand. Can you imagine what a thing David must have experienced when he heard this. He's actually allowed to speak prophecy to the Lord Jesus. Jehovah, my Lord, said to Messiah, my son. Glory be to God. Genesis chapter 1. 
Verse 26. And God said, let us, let us, does us mean more than one? It's plural. If you come up to me and say, let us, I figure you're talking about more than you. Now don't get scared, friends. It's all right. It's all right. Let us make man, and this next word explains the us, in our image. Not images. Because there's not two images of God. (laughs) There's only one image of God. Oh, blessed be the Lord. So let us. What's he speaking to? The spirit, the eternal light is speaking to his word. Let us make man in our, notice this, us, plural, our, plural, image. So God didn't give Adam the hands that look like God and then give Adam the eyes that look like Jesus. And he's kind of, you know, pulling between the two and here's an old man and a younger guy sitting there on two thrones and there's two different beings and then the spirit over his invisible sword of sometimes. And then God said, I'll tell you what, son, I'll, I'll give him your fingernail. And, and the son said, it sounds good to me, daddy. And he said, what do you think? You want his foot? Yeah, I'll take his foot. Go ahead and make his foot look like my foot. So I'll kick my shoe off here in heaven. There he goes, what my foot looks like. And then the father said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give him my eyes. Okay, daddy, that sounds good. I'm not jealous of you at all because you're the great father and I'm just your son here and I'm, I'm inferior to you anyway. Heathenism. Nonsense. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness now don't God know the difference between plural and singular he does that's why he didn't say likenesses images cause our only has one now you see you can't say that only in the sense that you're made a triune being like him if your spirit could say to your soul our image is getting old and losing its hair and getting ugly and fat. Come on now, children. You might as well say amen. Then if you could hear your spirit and soul conversing back and forth, and they'd be able to say our image, but what are they talking about? The image of the flesh. Because you only have one image. I've never seen your soul. I've never seen your spirit. I have shook hands. I've prayed for you. And what? In that image that you bear record of. God is not a man. So the Lord, Jehovah, said to my Lord, the invisible said to the visible, let us make man in our image. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. St. John 1.1. In the beginning was the word. The meaning is, of course, that the Word had an existence before the world was created. This is not the spoken Word I'm talking about, or spoken of the man Jesus. (laughs) But of that which become Jesus. Well, blessed be the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Jesus was not before the foundation of the world. Jesus the body. Neither was Donnie or Jim or Carol or Lance or Terry or Alice. Don't you understand? He done him the same way he done you. You come down that same path. You come from the mind of God. But the Logos went out of the eternal. You don't remember, but you come out with him. So it is clear that the word had an existence before anything was ever created. Now remember, do away with this idea of Arianism. After the Lord Jesus came to the earth, of course, Arianism was that he was one that was part of the Godhead, but not exactly the Godhead. Less God, lower than God. You know where that come from, pits of hell. It's sad that some of the people in the message believe the same thing. You imagine a message preacher standing up and saying, Jesus wasn't God. You're a false prophet and a liar. You don't believe the Bible nor the message. The prophet of God said, if he wasn't God, he's the biggest deceiver the world ever knew. He was God. Woo. Notice, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. John did not say the Word was a God or the Word was like God, but the Word was God. <laughs> he was not a God or like God or similar or cousin or, you know, something to God. It was God. God in a condescended form. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. What am I talking about? My Lord. My Lord, as David said, the Lord said unto my Lord. Isn't this strange? This is his Lord. Yet Jesus called David his father. Remember when the scribes and them come up and Jesus just got tired of them asking him so many questions. So Jesus said, whose son is the Messiah? He said, David's. He said, well, if that be so, how did David call him Lord? If he was his son. The Bible says they durst not ask him any more questions. I'm looking for that durst. Oh, these people around want to fuss and argue and fight over this and that and other. They ain't got, you know, they, they don't really want truth. No way. They just want to argue. Now, here's the Lord Jesus himself. Watch. I, oh, Lord. Watch the Lord Jesus give us. I'm going to close. Give us. His birth. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. And the word there is go out, come out, to go or come forth of the point from which he departs. If God were your father, you would know me because I proceeded. I went out 
This is my point. This is where I came from. Let's stand. Let's stand. Very same word again. St. John 16, 28. I came forth from the Father and come into the world. And again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Colossians 1, 15. Who is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. Here is the image that Adam was made to look like in Genesis 1. Paul doesn't say one of the images, but the image of the invisible God. God is not a man. Get it out of your mind that God is a man. And that God has a right hand like a man. God is spirit. Jesus was the God-man. When God become a human being on the earth. Praise God. We'll read this again in the morning. We'll pick it up. For by him are all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things consist. John went on to say, John chapter 1 verse 18, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father hath declared Him. So here's the only begotten Son. And where was He? From the bosom of the Father. The Father's heart. He proceeded forth and came out of this light. So here was this great eternal And if you could just imagine it, God giving birth to a son in this little white flickering light come out of this big light. Well, if Papa's a light, then if he gives birth to a son, what's the boy going to be? Light. (laughs) Well, if you're born of that father, what are you going to be? Light. So here comes this Logos. Out of this great invisible, this great light, this Logos, whirling around, whirling around. What did the prophet say? The little white light playing around the Father's door. Well, glory to God. Who being in the form of God, thought it not Robert to be equal with God. For he took on himself no reputation, but upon him the form of a servant. The form of God, morphe. It's when the invisible takes on tangibility. When the invisible strikes an image. And whenever it strikes the image, it's the morphe. So here was the logos come out of the invisible. And when it broke into atoms and molecules and life, it was the morphe of God. The supernatural that left the vision. Now it becomes into the realm of tangible. (laughs) 
Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it. If you're a part of him, you come out the same way. You don't remember? No, no. But you was right there in the very mind of God. And when that Logos left the eternal, you left with it. You come to the earth lost. Sure, you was lost. Unregenerate, out of, out of circulation. But one day the Father knew he laid more than one egg. Amen. Jesus is the only begotten son, but he ain't the only son. Praise be to God. All it would take was from my sheep, hear my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. I know mine, and they are known of me. He said, the Father loveth me because I lay my life down for the sheep. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus saying such, that he's calling them sheep before Calvary? Yeah, I can imagine him saying that, because he believed in election. Woo! Praise be to God. Hallelujah. So here on the throne in the millennium is Jehovah Adonai, the incarnate God. Jehovah Adonai, in the form of a man, sit thou at my right hand. Right hand is a symbol of power and authority. I give you dominion blessed be the Lord God let's pray get ready to sing something Harry (laughs) oh praise God praise God don't you understand friends the image was smitten so the supernatural could taste death God had to suffer the penalty of his own law and God could not die so God allowed himself to be smitten in the image of Morphe so it would be the supernatural that would strike the eye that what you would see and the supernatural was smitten in the Morphe in the image so that the law could be fulfilled and Jesus could look at you and say I am not ashamed to call you my brothers praise be to God hallelujah let's bow our heads praise the Lord Jesus oh Lord God how great are your words Father Open our hearts, Lord Jesus. Oh, what a blessed time awaits us. Help us, Father, that we're not so called up in all the pressures of life. And we know life can be so difficult. Dealing with so many things that we have in this Laodicean age. But Lord, we don't want to focus just so much on the things that's around us. Till we get our minds off of enjoying our journey. The Son of Man has already come down and united Him and the bride together as one. That's taken place under the administration of Malachi 4. So we're already united in that spiritual union. But we're going to the marriage supper. There we will be with our husband and the rest of the saints of God. For three and a half years as we sat there at the table of God and take communion and fellowship. And enjoy that blessed time together. 
Then we come back down to clean up a little bit. Praise God. To get ready for the honeymoon. What a honeymoon it's going to be. Praise God. Folks, it's going to be getting converted. People by the millions will be turning their lives over to the kingdom of God. Heathens will be coming from the north, the west, the east, the south. They'll be traveling great expanses. Oh God, what a time it will be. It will be a constant interchange of people coming in and out of Jerusalem. Kings coming to bring their glory. Kings and potentates coming to worship the King of Kings. Maybe to give the Lord Jesus a report. Your Majesty, I wanted to let you know my entire nation has accepted your government. My entire nation has become what I understand you call converted. We were raised in darkness. We was raised in the resurrection and I was stunned as I stood there. I didn't even know where I was at. But somebody began to tell me about the way, the truth, and the life and where I was. And I began to tell my people. And my people have accepted you. They send their love, their tokens of appreciation from the land of Sheba, from the land of Babylon, from the land of Egypt, from the land of Germany, from the land of the Netherlands. I have come to bring tribute, great King of Kings. I bring you greetings from all your loyal subjects in the land of America. I bring you greetings from your subjects from the land of South America, Brazil, Argentina. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, help us to see it tonight, Lord. This is not a dream. This is not a fairy tale. It's fixing to happen right before our very eyes. Help us to be ready, Lord. If there's one here tonight that's not prepared, help us, Father. Those of us who are ready, Saints of God, help us to understand the trials, the tests we go through, Lord. It's the molding of our character. It's millennium training. We will step straight out of this Laodicean mess. Go right straight to the marriage supper. From the marriage supper to the battle of Armageddon. From the battle of Armageddon, we'll be raised up off the earth in another dimension. Just long enough for atomic fire to cleanse the earth. Finish up the cataclysmic changes of the earthquakes and the volcanoes. And then we'll set back down on it and start ruling. Maybe we'll be here and be settled for a little bit. Amen. Then you'll send us to South Dakota and Oklahoma. Maybe down into Florida. Wherever it'll be all over the earth. And then you'll call the resurrection. And then the heathens start raising up by the millions. We'll be there as your people, instructing them on where they are. Who better to tell them about the land of the resurrection than somebody who's already experienced it? Praise be to God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Then the prophet said, that's when the sons of God will be manifested. Oh, hasten the day, Lord Jesus. No wonder after John saw that great vision in Revelation 
But he had to end it with, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Help us, I pray, Father. We love you, Lord, with all of our hearts. Oh, don't you want to go, children? Don't you want to be a part of this blessed kingdom? Amen. No more suffering. No more illegitimate babies. No more cancer. No TB. No murder. No my. Hallelujah. A time of such peace and it'll cover the entire earth. Amen. There'll be no rogue nations. There'll be no little nations somewhere trying to come up with a bomb and and trying to come up with some way to undermine the king of kings in Jerusalem. No, there'll never be that. For a thousand years, it'll be peace. The bear will be gentle and the wolf will be tame and the lion shall lay down by the lamb. And the beast of the wild will be led by a child. And I'll be changed from this creature that I am. Praise be to God. Let's just worship together. Hey, y'all, your brothers, pick something out there. And let's, let's just sing a little bit as we worship him together. Oh, praise God. Daughter of Zion, it ought to be in your heart tonight to love him pre-millennium. Amen. Praise God. Yes, Lord Jesus. We bless your name, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be your holy name, Lord Jesus. We worship you. Great mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of your kingdom there shall be no end. I bless your name, Lord God. I worship you, Jehovah of hosts. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, great Adonai. We bless your name tonight, King of eternity. Hallelujah. Oh, let's worship him together, saints. Oh, he's worthy. Let's worship him together. I give
God, that river that flows out. We bless you tonight, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. All the armies of the earth will one day gather. And they'll pass before that great reviewing stand. You believe it? What are they going to do? They're going to beat their swords and weapons into plowshares. And the Prince of Peace will give the last command. When is it? When King Jesus comes to live on earth again. Remember when Pilate asked him, So are you a king then? He said, To this end was I born. And for this purpose came I to the earth. And you imagine Pilate saying, Well, if you're a king, then why don't you fight? He said, If my kingdom was of this world, of this earth, my subjects would fight. You imagine them looking, What in the world is this man trying to say? Aren't you glad you understand what he was not trying to say, but what he said? He established the way for the kingdom of God to be birthed in our hearts. Next is coming the kingdom we're going to sing about. All the armies of the world will one day gather And they'll pass before the great reviewing stand and they'll beat their swords and weapons into plowshares and the prince of peace will give the last command when King Jesus comes to live with us again
Come to live.